Acts chapter 14, let's begin reading down in verse uh, 19. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. And after they had passed throughout Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga and went down to Italia and then sailed to Antioch from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they had fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode long time with the disciples. I want to call your attention, if you will, back up to verse 22, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer. Lord, we're thankful for the time together this morning. Pray now that you'd fill me with the power of your spirit. I pray you'd help me communicate your word faithfully, effectively, Lord. I pray for the folks here today, Lord. If there's one here that doesn't know for sure they're on the way to heaven, Lord, I pray for their salvation. God, I pray for Christians that perhaps uh, have, have gone astray. They're, they're not as close to you as they should be, Lord. I pray that they would be encouraged uh, today, Lord, that they would be confirmed and that they would determine to continue in the faith. We're thankful for the time together. We pray you'd bless it now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you know anything about the New Testament at all, you know that the book of Acts is called the book of Acts because it's a history book of the early church, how the church started. Jesus, of course, came. He spent about 33 years here before he was crucified, rose again from the dead, and then he spent another 40 days until he ascended up into heaven, which we read about that right there in Acts chapter 1. The Bible tells us he was exhorting his followers. He was telling them, what they needed to do. He said, but ye shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. And while he's saying these things, suddenly he ascends right into heaven. I mean, the people are just standing there. I mean, you can imagine what you would think if you saw that on, on, the, on the Mount of Olives that day. And they're, they're just looking up, and the Bible says, two men in white, which no doubt were angels. Uh, by the way, angels always appeared as men in the Bible. I'm not saying it's wrong to have Christmas plays with beautiful blonde-haired girls up there with wings on, pretending to be angels. You're the one guy who said, I'm married an angel. She's always up in the air harping about something. Amen? But anyway, uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, you know, I, I, I'm against that. Or I, I don't think, but I just want you to be aware, angels in the scripture always appear as men. And there's no mention of them ever having wings, by the way. The cherubims and seraphims, that's a different story. But anyway, these two men in white, they said, You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing into the heavens? This same Jesus, which was taken up from among you, shall so come again in like manner. Well, we read in the rest of the chapter, Acts 1, they prayed for about 10 days, and on the 10th day, God gave them the gift of the Holy Spirit, and we look at that as the actual beginning, the actual uh, start of what we call the church. Now, I mentioned this in Sunday school. I'll mention it again here in the message. A lot of times we say the word church. The word church means different things to different people. 
You start talking about church history, many people will go to the Crusades, and they'll go to other things that happened, political involvements, where the church had a big sway in it. And, and the fact of the matter is, we're not talking about a political, when I say church, folks, I'm not talking about a political organization. You see, the Bible, in the Bible, Jesus uh, told his disciples, you go and you preach. Paul wrote, the weapons of our warfare, talking about the way they advance the scripture, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God in the pulling down of strongholds. Paul and the other apostles never went from city to city attacking people with swords and bows and arrows, telling them either trust Christ or die. That was not the way they did it, folks. They did it by simply teaching and preaching the gospel. And here in the book of Acts, we discover that once they got serious about witnessing for the Lord, in Acts chapter 13, God himself called Paul and Barnabas, and Paul and Barnabas left on the first missionary journey. What was that, Pastor Mike? They were, they were in a very solid church there at Antioch, Antioch in Syria. And while they were praying and fasting, by the way, uh, they, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit said, separate me, Paul and Barnabas. And so they prayed for Paul and Barnabas, and Paul and Barnabas took off. And they started going to different cities, and they started teaching and preaching the gospel to different people. And, and here in Acts chapter 14, we're right on the tail end of the last portion of their very first missionary journey. Now, we didn't take the time to read the entire chapter, but if we did, you would discover that earlier in the chapter, Paul and Barnabas healed a guy who was crippled. And after they healed him, the people in the city thought, wow, these guys must be gods. The gods, little g, have come down from heaven and among us, and they tried to offer a sacrifice in Paul and in Barnabas' honor. I mean, think about it. They're like, man, we want, we want to worship you. You healed this guy. And of course, Paul and Barnabas said, no, 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 no. We're men, we're men just like you, okay? The only difference is we, we place our faith and trust in, in the true God, and we want to encourage you to listen to what he says. Well, we didn't read this entire account, but the Bible tells us the very next day. Now, think about this, folks. The very next day. Some Jews that were upset with uh, Paul and Barnabas from another city that they had been at, they showed up, they stirred up the same crowd to go against Paul. And there was a riot. What happened in the riot, Pastor Mike? They stoned Paul. Now, folks, stoning in the Old Testament was not a situation where you picked up a couple rocks, you whipped them at a guy, uh, and, and then you took off. They, they hurled the biggest rocks they could. Typically, they'd like to push somebody off of an of a, of a, uh, inclination, you know, like a, uh, a cliff face or a hill something that would straight down. They'd push them off that. They'd drop the biggest rock they could lift on their chest, and then they would pile other rocks up on them. Now, this says it took place in the city, so they might not have done it exactly like that. But the fact of the matter is, they stoned him to the point that they assumed he was dead, and they dragged his dead body out of the city and threw it up with the rest of the garbage. Which cities back then didn't have waste management. Cities back then had dumps outside the city that they would set on fire and burn stuff. So Paul's body is laying there with the rest of the garbage. Hey, boy, that's right. How does Acts have 20-some-odd chapters in it if that's when Paul died? Because Paul didn't die there, <laughs> Paul didn't die there. Barnabas and the other guys were there, and man, no doubt they're crying. I mean, I, I, I would be crying, you know, if they had seen that happen to Paul. And they're thought, man, what are we going to do for a funeral, you know? What, how are we going to get the word out? What are we going to, you know, where are we going to cater to the meeting? I don't know what they're talking about. You know, they're, they're, they're talking about what to do about it. And suddenly, Paul gets up, and he's okay. And he goes back into the same city and preaches there some more. Now, that goes to show the fickleness of, of, of humanity, you know? 
we get all worked up sometimes about things, and really, a little while later, sometimes it doesn't even matter. I remember my dad telling me a story from his senior year. I won't go into all the details of the story to save time, but suffice it to say, they had a great basketball season, but right before the playoffs, four of the other seniors on the team with them got thrown off the team for disciplinary reasons. So now my dad, he's a starter, he's a senior, he's still playing, but they don't have the A team, amen? They got the B team. He says, we got through the first couple rounds of districts, he says, but we were in the district playoff, and he said, we were struggling. The team that we had beaten the regular season, no sweat, man, we're playing now. We're struggling. It's a close game. He said, the place they were playing, he said, he remembers the crowd was chanting his name. Go Ray! Go Ray! Go Ray! He says, but they lost. They lost. <coughs> he said, he remembered he went in the locker room, got all showered and stuff, got his stuff, was leaving to go on the bus, and he said, there was a crowd up there chanting somebody else's name. He thought, wow, that was, that was fast. That was, that was my five seconds of, of notoriety. <laughs> that was my, my five minutes of pain. And you know, isn't that just the way it is of the world? People get all worked up about somebody, they get all excited about them, uh, but you know, that, that, that's passing. We've got to be careful not to get all caught up in the praise of men or to be discouraged by, by, by men coming at us. But the Apostle Paul, he got up. Uh, some people think that in 2 Corinthians 12, when Paul talks about being caught up into the third heaven, that's what happened. Some said, Pastor Mike, do you think he was really dead? I'll tell you what, the people of the stoneman thought he was really dead, but they wouldn't quit throwing the stones. I suspect he probably was. His friends thought he was really dead, but they wouldn't have been just standing around. They'd have been trying to revive him. They would have been trying to... Everybody there thought he was dead. I wonder if Paul didn't think he was dead, based on what 1 Corinthians 12 says. But anyway, suddenly he rose up, and he gets back to work. And that's where we picked it up when we began reading in verse 19, where it talks about him going into Iconium. Now, the fact of the matter is, folks, the place that had just stoned him to death, the place that had just drug him out, the place that thought he was dead, he got back up and he went right back in. And I want you to notice what the Bible says. In verse 21, the first thing I notice here is it says, And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many. The first thing that Paul did after he got back up, he went back into the city, he preached the gospel. What does that mean, folks? The word gospel in your Bible means good news. Well, what's the good news? The good news is, folks, we don't have to spend eternity in hell. That's right. The good news, folks, is Jesus died on the cross for my sin. He died on the cross for your sin. The good news is that if we place our faith and trust in Him, we can be born into God's family. That's great news. It's fantastic news. And Paul preached the gospel. And churches have gotten away from preaching the true gospel. Many churches are preaching a gospel that says, well, if you join my church, and if you do this and you do that, then maybe you'll be okay. And if not, maybe someone can light a couple candles, say a couple prayers for you after you're gone, and maybe they'll sneak you in somehow after. That's not what the Bible teaches. Those are man-made doctrines. The gospel is very simple. You just need to place your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. The, 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 the Philippian jailer in Acts 16, just a couple chapters from now, uh, when, when Paul and Silas were in prison and they began singing and the earthquake hit and, and, and the Philippian jailer came he was going to kill himself because in Roman law, if you were a jailer and you were watching people and they got away, your life was forfeit. 
say, wow, are you sure about that, Pastor Rick? Read Acts chapter 12. When the apostle Peter was miraculously let out of jail, read what Herod did to the guards that were guarding him. They were all killed. The Bible says he examined them and put them to death. He assumed they were on some sort of uh, pay. They took a bribe or something to let uh, Peter escape. And when they didn't get any answers, he had them all killed. That was, that was wrong. So this Philippian jailer, he's ready to kill himself. He says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? What, what does Peter tell him? I'm sorry, what does Paul tell him? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. They preach the gospel. Boy, we need to make sure we're preaching the gospel, that Jesus paid it all. When he was on the cross, he said, it is finished. I didn't start it. It is finished. And so they preached the gospel, and then, of course, they taught. The people uh, that, that responded, the people that put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, they taught him. Now, in verse 22, we read the phrase, confirming the souls of the disciples. That word confirming has the idea of establishing. Okay? Making sure folks understand. I've talked to folks say, Pastor Mike, I put my faith and trust in Christ as my Savior. Man, I've done some pretty stupid stuff since then. Join the club, Amen. Join the club. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We all have. But here's the thing that we've got to remember, folks. You couldn't be good enough to be saved on your own to begin with. What makes you silly enough to think you can be good enough to stay saved? Paul writes it like this in Galatians chapter 3. He says, having begun in the Spirit, are you made perfect, complete, mature by the flesh? He says, no, you're not. It's God's Holy Spirit who seals us and indwells us, we read in Ephesians chapter 1. And so Paul wanted to confirm him. He wanted to establish him. He didn't want them to be discouraged about what things happened. That's not to say that we should just go out sinning, acting like it's no big deal. Uh, in fact, Lord willing, we're going to talk about that next week. Uh, but, he, but he says, hey, he confirmed him. Uh, he exhorted him. Exhorting means to encourage him. Boy, when you think about exhortation, you think about you're in a sports game and your kid steals the ball. Yeah, go, 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 go. You're exhorting him. Boy, I didn't think about that. I'm just cheering for him. Well, that's kind of the idea. You're trying to encourage you're trying to get him to stay at it. He confirmed him. He exhorted him. And then the Bible says to what? To continue in the faith. Now, the past few weeks, we've been talking about the topic of continue. We talked about how continue and uh, in, in what you've learned of me, how Paul wrote Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. The word continue there had the idea of meaning abide. Then we read in Colossians chapter 4 where it said continue in prayer. We said the word continue there comes from a Greek word that means to be earnest, to stay at it, to be diligent persevere. Uh, we looked a couple weeks ago about continuing in love from John chapter 14. We said that again is talking about abide. The Greek word translated continue here, folks, means stay. What do you mean, Pastor Frank? You ever had a dog? He looked at that dog and he said, stay. If you're Greek, you could have said this word, continue. <laughs> continue. Not like that. Say, Pastor Mike, why? I kind of like that abide thing you're talking about last week, uh, last couple weeks. But no, the, the, the word to stay put, I want you to think about the circumstances, Paul, folks. The Apostle Paul has been persecuted for his stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? He's gone. See, this is what Paul did. Paul was a very, very learned man. The other apostles, Acts chapter 4 tells us, were ignorant and unlearned men. I always joke that's how we know they were Baptists, amen? They were ignorant and unlearned men. 
Uh, you heard the story about the preacher was preaching. He says, how many here are, are Baptists? And most of the crowd raised their hand. And he says, oh, some one girl didn't raise her hand. She says, what are you? She says, well, I'm Methodist. Because you're Methodist. She says, why are you Methodist? She says, well, my parents are Methodist. He says, well, why, why aren't you You know, the, the, boy, that joke just went right out of my mind. I just lost <laughs> it. The idea is, oh, says, well, one of your folks are crazy. That's it. He said, well, one of your folks are crazy. He says, well, then I'd be a Baptist. That's what the question is. <laughs> just came back. One of your folks are Baptist. Well, then I'd be crazy. You know? that, 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 that's just the whole thing. We, we, we do things sometimes not based on things. But anyway, Paul, uh, Peter, John, James, the majority of disciples had never received a formal education. In Bible times, if your family didn't have money and couldn't pay for tutors and stuff, when your kid got to a certain age, they would learn a craft. They would learn a trade. At least seven of the disciples we know were fishermen. That was a trade, okay? That was a trade. So they never received a formal education. In Acts chapter 4, the Bible says that they perceived they were ignorant and unlearned men. That wasn't an insult to them. It just meant they didn't have a formal education. But now, folks... The Apostle Paul, Paul must have come from a well-to-do family. Paul must have come from a family, you grew up a family that had some money because Paul had been educated by a famous tutor that everybody knew about. And because he received that formal education, uh, some of my commentaries say it's very likely that he had a special growth. Have you ever gone to a college graduation and seen how the different department heads will dress with different color robes and they'll have those different color sets? Don't ask me what that means. I'm an ignorant and unlearned man. Amen. But I know, I do know that it stands for that. In fact, when my when my girls graduate down at Pensacola, man, they actually had banners that carry with the colors that they're wearing on their necks and all this, all the different departments and all that stuff. Well, Paul would visit the city, he'd go to the synagogue, the local place where the Jews got together to worship, he'd wear his robe, he'd walk in there. And the people would look at him and say, oh, we've, we've got somebody special here today. Maybe they ask him, who would you learn under? Or where are you from? Or whatever. And he says, well, would you like to speak to us today? Now, if any of you are waiting for me to do that someday, don't hold your breath. Amen? I, just because somebody walked in with the robe, I wouldn't necessarily ask them to preach or something unless I knew them ahead of time and knew you know, their, their, their testimony and stuff. But that's how they did it in the Jewish synagogue. So if you had a guest speaker come, who was educated to give him a chance to talk. Well, Paul would get up and he started teaching and preaching that Jesus of Nazareth was the Christ. He fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies and he was the Messiah. He was the one God had sent. He was the Son of God. And some people that heard, they accepted the truth. The Holy Spirit convicted them. They accepted the truth. Some people that heard, it was just like in one ear and out the other ear. Although, honestly, the people that didn't accept it usually got mad. They got ticked off. And after a while, they'd say, Paul, we don't want you talking anymore. But by then, Paul usually had a little group of folks that were interested, and that's how he would establish the church in the city that he was at. All right? So this is how Paul ministered. This is how he did it. Now, here's a guy that everybody has seen teach and preach. They've seen him heal somebody. And if they were out in the city the day he got stoned, they saw him what appeared to be stoned to death. Now he's back in here preaching again. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm with a group of people and they grab one of the people in my group and they start arresting them, I'm probably going to think about, hey, maybe I don't want them to arrest me too. Amen. I'm just being honest. Amen? I, I don't want to be... Isn't that what the disciples did when Jesus was arrested? 
They were all out of there. Man, I don't want to hang around here. This is a bad place to be right now. And yet here's Paul, goes back into the same city. He's telling me, listen, what I preached to you before I was stoned is the same thing I'm going to preach to you after I've been stoned, Jesus Christ. Amen. Folks, you know, we live in America where right now we have freedom to worship, freedom to assemble. But, you know, there are some folks that are in, in power right now that want to, to place limits on our freedom. They want to say it's not right to believe what we believe. They want to say things like believing that you know homosexuality is a sin. Shouldn't say that. Well, I'm sorry. That's what the Bible says. Right. See, Pastor Mike, I, I don't think that you should make a big deal about that. Folks, I, I don't think you should say it's wrong to say that something's sin that the Bible says is sin. There's folks that don't think it's a big deal to murder babies. Folks, I think that's murder. Yep. That's killing. Right. Well, I don't know about that, Pastor Mike. I mean, if they haven't reached the... Folks, Mary was barely pregnant with Jesus when John the Baptist leaped in Elizabeth's womb in his very presence. David says, before I was formed in the, in the lowest parts of the earth, before I had my members, before I even had all my limbs and stuff, you knew who I was. <coughs> Jeremiah talks about how God knew him and called him to be a prophet even before he was born of his mother. And yet we've got folks today to say, well, uh, that's, that's strong language. We don't want, we don't want to say that that's weird. We've, we've got a candidate that is saying that, that he's living in a way that the Bible says is wrong, but he's claiming to be a Christian. He's saying it's okay. Right. Folks, that's not, he's not saying. Now, understand, when, the Bible, when Paul says here, continue in the faith, what he's saying is, don't you move, don't you adjust what you believe, to try to fit in, to try to get along, to try to make things better with folks around you. And we as believers need to understand the importance of continuing, staying put in our faith. Malachi 3.6 is an interesting verse. It says, I am the Lord, I change not. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. We need to be careful. Now, I understand we live in a changing world. Well, Pastor Mike, you don't, you don't ride on a horse anymore. You drive a car. You don't, you don't, you don't go out to the well for water. You turn on the faucet. I, 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 there's nothing in the Bible that suggests technology is wrong. All right? I'm just as glad to sit on foam as you are instead of sitting on, on a hard button. I'm just as glad to have a place to sit. You read in the Bible, sometimes they all stood there the whole time. You read the book of uh, Ezra. Ezra, the Bible says they stood there from first thing in the morning until late in the afternoon listening to the priests read the word of God. You know, you're, you're sitting on the phone and you're going to be ready to go in another 10 minutes. They were standing there the whole day. Standing there. But, Paul says, hey, I want you to continue in the faith. Now, what is faith? We read a lot of things about faith in the Bible. The Bible tells us in Romans 10. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We read in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are ye saved through faith. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We read in Hebrews chapter 11 that, that without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to him must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We read a whole list of people. By faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Sarah. By faith, Isaac. 
And on and on it goes. All these people that put their faith and trust. Now the Apostle Paul says here, I want you to continue. I want you to stay put in your faith. You know, as a pastor over the years, I've noticed that some people, they'll reach a, a point in their life sometimes, they'll go through a difficult circumstance. Maybe they'll lose somebody. Maybe they'll go through a financial downturn. Maybe they'll have a, a, a something go wrong with a job. Maybe they'll have something go wrong in the family. But some sort of physical need will create a problem that will cause them to start thinking about spiritual things for whatever reason. Whatever reason. And many of those folks over the years, uh, I've had a chance to talk to them and I share with them what the gospel says. And man, they put their faith and trust in Christ. And, 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 and they're so excited. But then once things get better... Suddenly they act like, well, I don't need, I don't need the faith in Hey, folks, you need the faith no matter what, amen? That's right, right. You need to continue, you need to stay put in your faith. Some folks don't see the importance of, of, of teaching and preaching the Word of God. Folks, the, the, what we know about God comes from the Bible. Yep. And that goes back to my previous point of trying to adjust what the Bible says to fit with our modern stuff. Folks, if you're going to throw out what Paul says about this a particular category, are you going to throw out what he says about salvation? Either all the scriptures inspired, or none of it's inspired. Yeah, I, I, I always am, am laughing when I hear people say, well, I believe the Bible contains the Word of God. You know what they're saying? Well, I think it's in there somewhere. See, I believe it's all the Word of God, from Genesis 1-1 right through Revelation 22. It's, it's, it's the Word of God. Thus saith the Lord. So he says, continue in the faith. Now, uh, he doesn't just stop there. The Bible tells us that moving on, what's the first thing they did? They preached the gospel. What's the second thing they did? Confirm the souls, exhorting them to continue in the faith. Understand, we must through much tribulation enter in the kingdom of God. We as American Christians are not seeing that tribulation right now. We might be seeing it in the near future, but there are Christians all over the world, folks, that are going through some pretty se severe tribulation for their stand for the Lord and have for the past 2,000 years. And notice verse 23, when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. Not only did they encourage the individual people, but they wanted to establish churches in the cities they had been at so that people could continue to go to them and grow in their faith and knowledge. Folks, how is it that we become closer to the Lord? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might have sinned against thee. Why is it that God has given us pastors and teachers and evangelists uh, to, to, to preach the spiritual gift of teaching and preaching? What's the point of that? To convict us so that we can grow in, our, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But see, if we, don't, if we don't keep ourselves under the teaching and preaching of God's Word, we're not going to go any farther with it. We're not going to be able to continue. We're not going to be able to stay where we are. We're going to be blown about. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4 there, he says that we be no more children blown to and fro by every wind of doctrine. It's important that you understand why you believe, what you believe, and where that's based in the Bible. Now I understand, there's some things in the Bible, they're hard to pin down. I told you this, you know. Ezekiel chapter 1. Man, it's hard to know exactly what was going on there. I believe it. Well, I wouldn't get a big argument with somebody about what they thought it meant. I believe it, but here's the thing. There, there are some things, folks, it's not that hard to figure it out. 
We just got to look at what the scripture says and accept it by faith. Well, Pastor Mike, I, I just don't see how you can do it. Here's Noah. By the time Noah shows up, it's been, I don't know, 1,500, maybe 2,000 years of human history. And it's never rained. What do you mean, Pastor Mike? Read Genesis 2, folks. It didn't rain. God wants to do to come up from the face of the ground that watered the earth. Well, I don't know why I agree with that. Okay, well, if you don't, listen, what you believe the Bible, that's up to you. I believe the Bible. The Bible doesn't have rain. Right. But now God tells Noah, Noah, it's going to rain. And because it's going to rain, it's going to flood the earth. And I want you to be prepared for it, Noah. I want you to build this huge ark. It's 50 cubits wide, it's 30 cubits tall, it's 450 cubits long. It is enormous. What did Noah do? Noah called all the climate scientists and said, what do you think? Do you think there's any chance this could happen? Noah tuned into his weather app on his phone and said, well, Lord, it's not showing any rain on the radar. No, the Bible says Noah believed God. And Noah started preparing the ark. And you know what, folks? It took him 100 years. I've heard people say, there ain't no way, there's no way that Noah could have built something that big by himself. Well, number one, I don't think he built it by himself. We know his three sons were helping him. But you know what's really sad, folks? I suspect Noah probably hired guys to help build the ark. Did you ever thought about that? They were probably contractors working on it. They didn't have the forty foundations, though, right? Turned out for the ark. There are people helping work on it. What are you doing this for, Noah? Well, God told me it's going to rain. Ah! Hey, folks, you know that ark was big enough. A lot of people could have gotten on that ark. Now, I've never seen it, but they, they built a, a, a replica of it. Well, how could they build a replica? They base a cubit, and the, the Bible measurement of cubit is from your elbow to the tip of your finger. Now, that could vary with guys. I suspect my cubit might be a little longer than my son-in-law's cubit. My other son-in-law, though, has probably got a longer cubit than me. So I don't know if Noah was tall or not, you know. I don't know if it was a six-footer or if he was a four-footer. But whatever he was, uh, they had all that time. They built it. And that replica of it down there in Kentucky... Uh, at at uh, Answers in Genesis there, that replica, you could have fit a ton of people on there. Do you know how many people got on there? Eight souls. And here's an interesting thing. You, when you watch cartoons as a kid, what do they always show? There's lightning striking and it's starting to rain a little bit and all the animals are scurrying. You know, the last little mouse climbs up the ramp and gets in there and Noah, Noah's sons grab the ropes and they start pulling up the door. And that's not what the Bible describes. The Bible says God told Noah to get on the ark Seven days before it even started raining. <coughs> but there's a very interesting phrase here. It says, God shut the door. Now, up until God shut the door, there was an open invitation for anybody to get on that ark that wanted to get on the ark. Noah's great-great-grandfather, Enoch, preached about judgment coming. We suspect Methuselah and Lamech may also have preached about judgment. Don't know for sure, but Jude says Enoch did for sure. Peter says Noah preached for a hundred years. But nobody put their faith in what Noah, you know what they put their faith in? What they could see. I don't see any signs of rain. 
I don't see any signs of floods. Now, folks, true faith is putting your faith in what God's word says. God said, there's a song I used to sing when I was a teenager. God said it, and I believe it, and that settles it for me. And that's a great catchy little song. But you know, the truth of the matter is, God said it. Whether you believe it or not, that settles it. <laughs> if God said it, folks, that settles it. And unfortunately, for that group in Noah's day, they went by sight. They didn't walk by faith, they walked by sight. We as believers are told we're supposed to walk by faith. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, it tells us that. We walk by faith, not by sight. So the Apostle Paul established churches so that folks could go to church, they could hear the teaching, they could hear the preaching, they could be encouraged in their faith. Let me just encourage you this morning. Continue. Stay put. That's right. It doesn't seem like... Quite as many people think going to church is quite as important as it used to be. I know. I know. When I had been here two or three years, I was going through a drawer, file cabinet or something, and I found a record of attendance for Calvary Baptist Church from the 70s. It said in the 70s, folks, they had over 100 every Sunday morning. I love it when we have 100. Now, I know you probably don't love it quite as much because you like this, but we're, you know, I, I love it when we have a big crowd like that. But you want to know what's really interesting to me? On Wednesday nights, they had it in the 70s. Yeah. Midweek service in the 70s. But we've got to the point now where, well, if I make it once, I'll never forget a magazine article my wife showed me. Now, my wife doesn't read magazines uh, quite as much as she used to when we first got married. You know, when we first got married, oh, you know, what, hair, what do you think about this hairstyle? Well, I love questions. Like, oh, your husbands love the, those questions. What do you think about this hairstyle? What do you think about that? Uh, but anyway, she had this magazine, and she said, hey, honey, you're going to, you got to look at this. you got to see this. I said, what is it? There was some sort of survey in one of the magazines that talked about how do you rate yourself spiritually. I said, how religious are you? Would you consider yourself a fanatic? Now, listen to the definition of a fanatic, folks. You attend church at least once a month. That, that was a survey from 15 years ago. You consider yourself very, they didn't say fanatic, very religious. You consider yourself very religious. You attend church at least once a month. I told her, I said, well, that, that's, I told her, because we must be fanatics. Because we're not even on there. They didn't have a scale for us. We're off the charts. Here's the thing. If we're going to be confirmed in our souls, if we're going to be able to stay in our faith, and we've got to know what is it that the Bible says, what is it that the Bible teaches, so that we can continue in the faith. That's an important, important thing. Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer. Lord, we're thankful for the time together this morning. God, I pray that you'd help each one of us to examine our own hearts, Lord, to consider, have we stayed put, Lord, or have we been swayed?